Welcome to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance with Monique Malcolm, a podcast about brilliant people leveraging their passions to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the course of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast or come hang out with me on Instagram at starchasersonly. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, Star Chasers. This episode of Pimp Your Brilliance is brought to you by the Visionary Journal. The Visionary Journal is a goal-setting guide, mini vision board, and day planner. It provides a simple structure to help you break your goals into actionable steps that you can integrate into your daily life. For more information and to order your own copy of the Visionary Journal, visit keepchasingthestars.com backslash visionary journal. Hey, Star Chasers. Welcome to episode number eight. If you need more information about this episode or show notes, you can find them at keepchasingthestars.com backslash eight. In today's episode, I am interviewing Krista David. Krista David is a mixed media artist, writer, and research. She fuses the mediums of painting, collage, and assemblage to create her work that examines themes of faith, power, politics, and identity. Now, full disclosure, Krista and I are really good friends. If you listen to episode zero of this show, where I talked about the idea of Pimp Your Brilliance and where it came from, I shared a backstory about how I came up with the name Pimp Your Brilliance, and it was actually Krista who gave me the name. She kind of did it. She didn't realize that she did it at the time, but it's something that she said to me and I held on to it. So if you didn't hear that story, you can hear that in episode zero. But today she's on the show and she's going to be talking to us about becoming a full-time artist. Basically, her story uh, going from um, full-time, six-figure earning career person to taking the leap and making art full-time and some of her journey and struggles and successes. So I think this is going to be a really good episode for anybody who is thinking about art. They're doing art. They're thinking about doing it full-time and they want to bust the idea and the myth of being a starving artist. So if that's you, this episode is definitely one that you should listen to. Hey, Krista. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mo. How you doing? I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy to have you. You are my first um, artist interview, so I'm excited about this because I know people have so many questions about being a full-time artist and all of those things, and I know you're going to have some nuggets of wisdom to share, so I'm looking forward to that. I hope so. I hope I can be helpful. (laughs) All right. So the way I love to start the show is asking people to give us a bit of your background. So tell the people who you are, what you do, your thing. Okay. So I am a public health researcher by training and I've done that for about 10, 11, maybe 12 years. And I recently quit my day job um, doing that work for the city of New York back in September so that I can um, expand my art practice and pursue, um, more creative projects full time. Um, I've been sort of making art all my life, but I was making it in the cracks, i.e. nights and weekends for the past, I want to say about five years now. And it got to a point where I knew it was time for me to, to switch to full time and sort of transition out of my public health 
practice and the, the form that it was in into a new sort of form of doing, of merging my public health practice and activism with um, my art practice. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I live in New York. And so we could talk a little bit about that later and how that is helpful and um, also challenging for pursuing something like art full time. And what else would you like to know about me? I am not. Oh, one of the things I want to stress uh, or share with the audience is that I am not. I'm a self-taught audit artist, so I do not have a BFA or MFA in anything. I did spend quite a bit of time in high school. I went to a specialized high school here in New York City, LaGuardia High School for the Arts and Performing Arts, aka the Fame School, where I studied art um, intensely for four years. But then when I went to college at Columbia, after my first year, I stopped um, making art altogether just because you know, it just didn't seem practical at the time, considering my circumstances. So I just went and studied history and I was pre-med. But I've made my way back to my passion and my love. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> so I want to talk about um, leaving your, your day job because I mean, you took this huge leap of faith. You left your full time position to pursue, pursue art and you're a little over... Six months into this. So talk to me about that process. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So what I'm about to share. So one thing I will say about quitting your day job, I am never going to tell anybody to do that. I think it's an individual decision that you have to decide for yourself. But here's what happened in my situation. And here are the things that I did to help me make that transition. So one, like, a lot of people who are sort of thinking about quitting their job, they're usually thinking about quitting it because either they've outgrown their position, they want a new challenge, or they pretty much hate their day job. I had a combination of all of those things happening. Like I said, I've been practicing public health for quite a, quite a long while, and I was with my previous employer for 10 years, and I sort of um, rose up the ranks to a very senior position. And, you know, I pretty much had hit a ceiling and then I just wanted to try something else with my time because I'm one of these people who has shag YOLO. You only get one life. So if there's anything that you want to experience, explore, you need to go ahead and do that. And the conditions will never be perfect. They were not perfect when I quit my job. I pretty much um, was so burnt out after working like 10, 12 hour days and just dealing with a whole lot of um, growing pains at work, I literally burned out. And I went to my boss and was like, hey, a um, couple things. One, either I'm gonna quit today, or I'm gonna need a month off, because I need time to kind of get myself healthy and get back into a, a good mind space for all of the big projects we have coming down the pike. So uh, thankfully, my boss um, she consulted with the administrator at my job and they granted me this month long vacation. This is not something that happens in the city um, um, of New York. So this had to get special sort of sign off. So I took a month off. I spent um, a little more than half of that time in Santorini, Greece staring out at the agency and considering my life <laughs> and just about all the things that I wanted to do, the, the ways that I wanted to be in contribution and just sort of, you know, really getting my strength up mentally and spiritually 
about the choices that I needed to make about my public health career. I knew it was time to leave that job, but I was debating whether I go find another job or do I just try to strike it out on my my own. I got back. Um, all of my colleagues were surprised that I came back because everybody thought I was going to quit and marry like a Greek fisherman. (laughs) 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 They were like taking bets and stuff. So I came back and I was in a much happier place, but I was very, very clear that this was not how I wanted to spend my life minutes anymore. I didn't want to be in a cubicle, even though I love my colleagues. You know, I had a great team of people um, that I worked with, um, that I supervised. I just, I just knew I needed something else. I wanted something else. So it was like one, I think it was like three or four weeks after I got back from this month long vacation, I went um, to lunch with my best friend who also worked at my agency. And I was complaining, I think. And she was just like, gave me one of my pep talks, talking me down off her limb. And she was like, you just gotta, you gotta, do what you need to do. And you can't keep living like this, basically. And I just walked back into the office. I didn't plan it. I went straight to the administrator. and I said, you know, this is my notice. I quit. Um, I am, you know, I want to give you guys a good amount of time. I think five weeks is sufficient, but I will not be returning after Labor Day. So and, you know, he was surprised. My boss was surprised, but everybody was sort of like, okay, she's gonna quit. Now, in order to quit, though, I did a couple things. One, I had told, like, my close friends knew that I was just not satisfied with work. So I had a support system in place. I had some money saved. I had some backup money just in case if I needed the backup money. And then I also knew that if I left this job and just tried out painting or making art full time for a little while and I didn't like it, I'm skilled. So And I'm good at what I do. And I know that there's a market for what I do. So I could just go and find a job. So and then I also don't have little children at home. So I didn't have those kinds of pressures. I'm not married. So I don't have those kinds of pressures. So I was like, this is as good a good of a time as any. So just go for it. And let's just see what happens. But I've never had a problem with getting a job. And I knew that I'm a hustler type of person. So if something wasn't working out the way that I intended, I would just get on that LinkedIn and find me another job. It wasn't a a huge like deal for me. But once I looked at all of the scenarios of what's the worst thing that can happen with me quitting my job and making art full time, the worst thing that could happen is I don't, I run out of money. I can't pay my rent. So I get evicted. And then I got to go sleep on my mom's couch. That's not too bad. It's not too bad. (laughs) Or like go stay with my best friend and sleep in her extra bedroom. I not extra bedroom, but my godson's bedroom on the blow up mattress. Again, it's not terrible. Like I would just start over. It's not a huge to me anyway. Some people that will freak them out. But again, it's just me that I'm responsible for. My daughter is 22 years old. She is she can handle her own life. So I was just like, as long as I have those things in place, a support system, a little bit of money, I did have a plan as to how I wanted to set up my art practice and stuff. And then I knew what the worst case scenario was. And I was good with all of that. I was just like, it's time to go. And that's that's what I did. Long story short, you know, or short, long. (laughs) I I want to highlight a couple of things. And full disclosure, Krista and I are friends. Uh, we met a few years ago and we've been accountability partners and check-in partners. And so I'm really familiar with her and her story. But I want to highlight something because this is something you and I have talked about privately. 
but you kind of alluded to it in your transition. So this whole, we always tell people when it's time to, if you're thinking about making the leap, you need to have money in place. And we, mm-hmm. we, I feel like there's some skirting over the family responsibility situation type thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're saying, you know, you don't have little kids at home. You don't have a husband. And we've talked about this, like comparing, yes, comparing ourselves to other people on the internet who yeah. are like, you know, I'm working these 16 hour days and they're building these amazing businesses. And, you know, we have to check ourselves like, but I got a husband and a child at home. I actually have a husband and child at home. Um, he's not a little, little child. So he's almost 13. So he's pretty sufficient. But still, I still have a family to maintain. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful when you're taking in stories like this of people who are transitioning and think about like, does your, does your life situation, right? Is it comparable? Because if it's not, then, you know, part of your transition, you need to consider, do you have family responsibilities that are going to be affected by this? And I wish more people were saying that in addition to just saying, save some money or have a plan in place. Like, is your husband going to be mad? (laughs) Exactly. No. And I think that's important. So the reason why I told people that I live in New York city, because it's not cheap for me to live here. Like most people in New York city are renters. I live in the Bronx. I pay $1,769 a month for rent. And like some people's mortgages in the Midwest, right? Yes. That's a mortgage here in Florida. (laughs) Just rent. That is not utilities. That's not internet. That's not grocery. So I have a, you know, I can get by on 3500 a month or whatever, 4500 a month, but that's money that I have to make. There's nobody giving me money. I do not have a sugar daddy. Um, I have a very supportive boyfriend, but he's not paying my bills. And, you know, I don't have a trust fund. I don't have all of my family members, to my knowledge, like everybody either is poor or they're working poor or they're like, working class. Right. So it's like, we don't have any money. I don't know anybody who has, so I don't have any kind of safety net. So when I say save money, you want to make sure that for me, it was like, okay, I have this little bit of money. I had saved up enough like comp time at work to get paid out a certain amount of money. So I knew I had four months of living expenses covered. I also had some backup money where I knew that could take me another 10 or 11 months. Right. So if I didn't make any money for the first year and a half, I was like, okay, I can still breathe. But after that, sister got to get some money coming in consistently in order to continue being out here. But I think it, it is individual and you really do need to think about your own situation and do not romanticize other people's situations. Because I look at some of these ladies online or men and I'm like, oh, that's so wonderful. She did it. He did it. And they have partners who have paychecks and health insurance coming in. You know, I had to make some really hard choices about my health insurance, going from private to public health insurance or like paying for health insurance. Or I mean, it's just it's just different. So, you know, keep that in mind and like don't compare yourself and do what's best for you and your household and your family and your yourself. Yes, you guys. Keeping yeah. it real with Krista on the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible. You're here quitting your jobs and you living on the street. Like, that's not what I want for you. I want you to have a beautiful life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I want to switch gears here a bit because I want to talk about your art and your art practice. So I know you are a collage artist, which I absolutely love. And then 
do you are you also an abstract painter you know i'm not clear on that okay that's what i thought um so let's talk about that let's talk about so now you know you quit your job you're you're deepening your art practice you're doing that full-time what does that look like for you because a lot of people want to become full-time artists and transition but i'm not really sure because i'm not very um exposed to that much art but you know what does that look like because i'm assuming that you don't just quit your job and then just spend all day painting. Or well, maybe you do. I wish, I wish. So that's the, that's the dilemma, right? So as far as my art practice, I've, I'm primarily a painter and collage artist. But um, it's, like I said, the good thing about being able to do this full time is that I'm expanding. So now I think I would be like I'm a multimedia type of artist because photography is really important to my work especially the work that I'm working on now so between I kind of like um go between those three and then writing and research so it it's a it's a five-tiered practice writing research photography collage and painting and you just put it all together and and kind of um I do what I do but as far as my day-to-day so here's a couple things when I left my job I knew that there's certain ways that you can make money as an artist. And I tried out a couple things. And if things didn't feel right, I said, okay, I'm not going to write this off. It's just not the right time out the gate. So a couple things I had to set up um, immediately. Of course, I had to set up my web presence so you can see what my website looks like at kristadavid.com. And, you know, my art, my shop, all those things had to be set up. And I had to make some decisions about what's going to be most efficient and cost cost effective, but then most efficient for me as far as my schedule. So I, you know, I, I left WordPress, which I love, but then I moved over to Squarespace, which just seemed more manageable for what I needed it to do. So I set up all of my online presence. I knew that I was going to try to make money selling. I want to sell mostly original artwork. So that's what I was focused on in the beginning. And I I thought that I also wanted to do some in-person classes because I love teaching. The in-person classes thing hasn't panned out the way that I want. But again, I'm just putting that on the back burner for when the time is appropriate. But I was really focusing on making original artwork and trying to get the original artwork out there. And as time went on, I started to add in print reproductions because, again, investing in fine art, it can be expensive. And I know it's not in everybody's price point. And I'm of the mind that I want fine art to be for everyone at various price points. So I started offering reproductions, again, all via my online shop. And then I started doing um, some designing some commercial type things, mainly because, I mean, and other artists will have different opinions about this, but I'm on the side of, I see art as this big, expansive thing that spans fine art all the way to commercial. And I don't demonize any part of it. Like I embrace all of it. Like I love some of the commercial aspects of art making, like surface pattern designs and, you know, cute things like that. Um, but at the same time, I'm really into the fine art part. So I like to run the gamut. So when you look at my shop, you see things that are original art and that's set at a certain price point. You see reproduction of the fine art. But then you also see commercial type products that are for art lovers, um, like my enamel pens and um, other things that will be coming down the pike, like um, hand-drawn prints or totes or whatever. So... I needed to have that plan in my mind that 
when you're working for yourself, you can kind of make whatever decisions you want to make about your practice. That was it was really important for me to to start to visualize the different ways that I can bring money in. But know that I'm only one person and I had to start somewhere. So I chose to focus on the original art. And as far as my day to day and my art practice, I have a home studio, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, I happen to have a pretty large um, two-bedroom apartment here here in New York. Um, my daughter still stays at home for the time being. So I've transformed my living room, which is really large compared to New York City living rooms, into my studio space. And it's slowly evolving. But, you know, I have a station where I do my collage work. I have a station where I do my paintings. I use my wall space to work on paintings as large as five foot by seven foot seven feet. So I've set it up to accommodate how my practice is shaping up. And as far as my day to day, I really thought that when I quit my job, I was going to be able to paint all day and make art all day. And it was going to be blissful. And it has not been that way. It has been a struggle for me because you get caught up in all of the marketing and the online stuff that no one tells you about. So if I can get in 15 hours a week of art making, I feel like I'm in a good place and I should be putting in more hours. And there are some weeks when it's like, forget it. I'm just going to make art all week because I can't like physically and spiritually, I can't not do it. It really starts to make me get angry and irritated if I'm away from my artwork for too long. But when you're trying to set up a business and like set it up from scratch, you spend more time doing admin and marketing than anything. Like it's crazy how much you have to pimp your stuff in order. And it's, you know, rightfully so you have to make a case for why somebody should be purchasing work from you. But I was really surprised by that. And it's a daily struggle for me. So I've experimented with a lot of different things, get up early, make art for four hours and then let the day have, you know, be what it is as far as admin marketing, whatever. There are times when I'm like, I like to make work at night. And then so I'll do that and then leave the days for like admin and writing research type stuff. So I haven't found the perfect day, um, but I do make an effort to show up at the canvas, show up at my art making table um, daily. But it's really, yeah, you're not going to be painting, making art all day as a full time artist. Like, no, <laughs> Unless you're like, you know, unless you're like represented by galleries and stuff. So and a lot of artists don't want to do that. I personally, that's the kind of arrangement that I want. That's my, I, you know, from the limited information I have now, my ideal, my goal is to have gallery representation, a couple galleries where I can send work at a, at a consistent clip. And then and then I don't have to, I mean, I still have to do a little bit of the marketing or whatever, maybe probably more than we, we should, but I do want help in getting my work to a wider audience. So that's my goal. That's what I'm working towards. So you, you've mentioned marketing quite a bit in your last answer, which I'm glad that you did, because that is a, a question that I want to ask you. So what is what does that look like for you as an artist? Like, let's talk about marketing yourself as a full time artist. OK, so and it's evolving as I um, learn more things. And then also as I talk to other artists and just level up in my business. So basic marketing to me is 
um, one telling my story um, as an artist and sort of transitioning in this process because I think people want to know about that. Two, um, sharing my my work as I make it and like really getting people invested and involved in the types of materials I'm using, what I'm making, why I'm making it, what am I responding to. A lot of my work is responding to a lot of um, social issues. And um, so that's part of the, the sort of, I guess, brand story. And then the tools that I'm using to get the word out. So it's usually email newsletter. And I've chosen to not be on every platform because, again, it's just team of one. I don't have any assistance or anybody helping me. So I've picked the platform that I enjoy the most. And that works well for what I'm trying to do. And that's Instagram. So I live on Instagram at Krista David Art. And I live in Insta stories. And I'm so happy that I fought the, the, um, the, the desire to jump on every social platform. I've tr- I try them out and see how they go. Like I tried Periscope. That was fun. I tried Snapchat for a second. That was fun. Facebook, Twitter, all these things. But it's just too much. So I live on Instagram and I do a lot of my marketing that way. So I do like, I've done a couple, um, actually I got to get better at Instagram ads, but I've tried that once or twice. And I, I think I just connect with my audience via Insta story. Like that's just my daily practice. I love Insta story and I love sharing my day. Um, and so it's those primary ways, email, newsletter, and I have a blog and then I have the, and I use Instagram primarily. Another thing that's really important to the marketing is photographing the work in a way that demonstrates what the piece is. Now, I like taking photos and, you know, I have my way of, of, of doing that, but trying to photograph artwork has been a challenge for me. So after you know, six months of trying to do this on my own, I've enlisted the help of professional photographers who, who will take, who have experience taking photos of actual artwork for galleries and other things and other artists. So that's something that I'm roping into my business because the visuals are critical to me selling my artwork. So that's where I want to make the investment up front. Like I, I need help with a lot of other things. But for me, it's like having solid images for my portfolio, having solid images for these residency applications and grant opportunities. So that's where I'm going to invest the profits that I've made um, in my business is getting this professional photographer so that I can um, up my visual marketing um, and promo. So that takes up a lot of time. Like it just takes up a lot of time for the marketing. It's fun, but it just takes up a lot of time and you want to be consistent with it. So people will always have you top of mind. <laughs> of course. Consistency is the queen. Mm-hmm. Content is still king though. So as an artist with all of the hats that you're wearing, all of the marketing, the admin, just balancing life stuff. How do you refuel your creative creativity and and stay inspired? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Um, thankfully, one of the things I'm very grateful for is that I can kind of do whatever I want with my day. So if I'm feeling a little stressed because I'm working on multiple projects, I can take 
an afternoon off and go to a gallery or to a museum. And the good thing about living in New York is that we have art everywhere and it's wonderful. Um, and it can, it can be overwhelming, but I love it. So I'll go down to Chelsea and just roam, you know, roam the streets. Um, all the galleries are kind of clustered in Chelsea or they're clustered on the Lower East Side. Um, there's some in Brooklyn as well, but I'll just take an afternoon and go see art. I go to museums. Um, what else do I do? I, okay, this is, anyway, this is what's been happening lately. I'm going to just be honest. I watch um, Ratchet Television. And I know, <laughs> I know what you're thinking, like, how is that inspiring you? But I, most of what my, where my artwork comes from is from people and a lot of people watching. And, um, and even though I know reality, reality TV is scripted, there's truth in almost everything. So I do watch certain things because I'm like, hmm, okay. It just helps me think about people's psyches in a different kind of way. So I do watch a little bit of ratchet television. Um, I do watch other types of te- television that has very good cinematography. Like I love Queen Sugar just for that reason alone. Um, but yeah, so those are the ways that I find inspiration. Of course, I read novels, not fic- not nonfiction for inspiration. Nonfiction is a different kind of, it feeds a different part of me. But when I really want to sort of um, imagine possibility, I read novels. Um, so, And that tends to inspire my artwork too. We've kind of touched on this before, the, the comparison thing and, and being online and being an artist online, which means especially, you know, self-taught artist and all of the things that you're doing, you're required to be online for a portion of work that you do. Just, I mean, it's, it's just a reality of where we are right now. So how do you protect your energy? How do you keep the comparison bug at bay? Hmm. Okay. So I think it, it bites everybody at different points. Um, I think with art, the one thing I have to remind myself of is that you, no matter how much I try or how hard I try, I cannot be another artist. I cannot do what they do. Like, it's just, it's just a waste of time to even try to be a Carrie James Marshall or a, uh, Wingeshi Mutu or, uh, you know, whatever, all these people that I love, it's just pointless for me to even try. Sure. You can practice technique, but I have to remind myself as an artist, only I can do what I can do. I cannot do what anybody else can do. The only thing that I can do, um, is try to understand a little bit about their art practice and incorporate some of those, um, um, things into my art practice, whether that's, oh, I know that, um, um, Kara Walker, you know, she has a research, a quasi research based practice. Well, that's great. I, I like to do research before I work on my pieces too, but I cannot create masterpieces like Kara Walker. That is not going to happen. So I don't even bother. So I think that's a, a good thing. It's like, I know I cannot copy somebody else's work. It's just not, it's, it's just not going to happen. Now I do get, you do get a little, I do get a pinch of um, envy sometimes when I'm like, oh wow, this person put out a collection and it sold out in like 24 minutes. 
And I'm saying, you know, but then I have to remind myself, like, she's also been doing this for five years and she's gotten her brand story really nailed. She knows who her people are and whatever. You know, if that's a goal for me, then I know I have to put in the work in order to get there. But again, I have to be I have to remind myself of what my goal is. And my goal is get better at what I do, um, have more eyeballs on my work gain gallery representation, like I'm very gain gallery representation. Like I'm very clear on what I need to do. So I don't need to get into like, Oh, how many people are following me? Or, you know, you know, am I working with this brand? Am I, I'm not, none of that's on my path. It's not something that I'm looking to do. Um, so I just have to remind myself, like I'm doing my own thing. And I think the less I look at other people's stuff, like I don't follow a lot of artists on Instagram, for example, even though I love Instagram, I follow other things like I'll follow or I won't follow artists who are doing who are working in the primary areas that I'm working in, like collage or abstract painting. I may follow photographers. I may follow fashion. I may follow somebody else who's curating images that can inspire my artwork. But I'm not looking at people who are sort of at the same level as I am or working in the same ways that I am because I would hate to like I just don't want to have those feelings. So I mind what I consume and just remember that I have something unique to contribute and I just have to work on being good at me. That's it. That's it's art is so subjective. Um, so I just have to work on being good at what I do and like connecting with the people who have chosen to show up to, to look at my things on a regular basis. Yes. 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 I love that. I love that so much. And you made so many great points there and you know what the comparison thing, it keeps coming up. Almost everybody that I interview at some point mentions it and they just say, you know, don't compare. And so I never get tired of hearing that. Because it's so true. And don't beat yourself up if you do, because I'm like, it's natural. I feel like it's it's natural. It's going to happen. But you have to figure out a way to pull yourself back. And the, the whole, you know, the way I pull myself back is saying, wait a minute, Krista. Hey, you do this kind of work. This is what you're working on. But it's going to happen. So don't don't beat yourself up because you're a human and you like nice things and you and you appreciate what other people are doing. Um or getting, you know, um, the experiences that they're having, just know that there's something good for you too. If you continue to do your work. Yes. So you, you've said so many things you've shared so openly, you've given a lot of tips and, and talked about things that you do specifically for your art and your art practice. And I know inevitably somebody's out there listening and they're thinking, great, that's nice for you. I'm glad that you did that but they don't think it's possible for them. And I know Hmm. that we don't believe that. So what do you say to that person? Um, If you don't think it's possible for you, it's not possible for you. Mm -hmm. And, and when I say that, it's like one of the things that I had to learn very quickly and my best friend will attest to this. So she's, I, thankfully I have, I have a social worker therapist as a best friend, but it's all about what you think and what you believe period. If you think you don't have enough skill to be an artist, you will not have enough skill to be an artist. If you don't think you have what it takes to make a go at making art full time or doing anything on your own, it won't happen. But the minute you start to tell whatever you tell yourself, you're going to believe. 
So even though I know that I have a lot of room for improvement in my art practice, like a lot, I'm actually excited about it. I get to make art for the rest of my life and get better at it and, and learn more things about myself and contribute to the world. But it's like I have it all starts in in what I tell myself when I wake up in the morning. So for the person who's like, no, I don't think I can do that. You have to start telling yourself a different story, even if you don't believe it at the beginning, like start where you are. I, you know, whether it's, it starts with the three words, I am an artist or I am a creative or I am a whatever. Start telling yourself a different story and slowly but surely you're going to start to see the fruits of that. It's all about your mental. Like I went through the first three months when I quit my job, I was on an emotional roller coaster up and down around time, up and down around town. Like, did I make a mistake? Oh, my God, I'm going to run out of money. I'm going to be poor. This is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. Why did I think I could do this? I'm not even selling any art. What? You know, it was crazy. And then I had to, like, stop and be like, OK, is this serving you? OK, so what are you going to tell yourself? OK, start by taking an honest assessment of what you have. You have a beautiful space. You have art supplies. You're good good at what you do because people have purchased your work. You may not have a lot of people purchasing your work, but start with an honest assessment of what's going on and then start telling yourself a better story about what you're capable of and what's available. Like there's so much abundance out here in this world for everybody to have. But if you don't think it's yours, it won't be yours. And I've seen it happen time and time again, how I start telling myself a different story about what I'm creating, how much money I want to make, opportunities. And I'm just telling you, opportunities are dropping out of, it's kind of freaky when I think about it, but the more I get clear about what I want and the things that I'm going to tell myself about what's available, those things are happening. And I I mean, I'm sure you've, you know, your audience members have probably heard this before, but it's so true. It's like, Whatever you speak, that's what's going to happen. And whatever you believe, you know, your actions are going to follow your thoughts. So start telling yourself a better story and um, and you have to get into action after that. All right. You guys heard it here from Krista David, great artist. (laughs) Um, So we're getting kind of towards the end and. I want to end this, as I always do, with my final two questions, which is. The first one is the Pimp Your Brilliance Action Challenge. That's three tips that you offer for someone who is interested in becoming a full-time artist. So what would those be? Um, Three tips for a full-time artist. Um, Okay. So I think, one, you definitely want to have an idea of what success looks like for you as an artist. There's some people who want to be these commercial artists working with brands, doing all that great stuff. That's fine if that's what you want. There are other artists who want to just have a studio practice, you know, get gallery representation, and then that's fine for them. And then there's some people in the middle who want to do a little bit of both and still have some autonomy, but also representation. So you just got to decide which lane are you, you're going to be in. So have a clear vision of success for you and your art practice. And um, so that's one. The second thing is, and a lot of people overlook this, but I think it's so important. When I was looking at websites for artists, I looked at hundreds of artists' websites and they were, they left a lot to be desired. So I do think you need to have a really 
strong online setup. And it doesn't have to be fancy, but you do want to keep that in mind. If you're going to try to be full-time, you need to have an online home that you are um, happy with inviting people to. (laughs) Um, So that's the second thing. And then I think the other, the third thing, and this is something that I'm actively um, working on now is that you, you're going to have to get into community and get into community quickly because making art, um, for most artists is a solitary practice. Same way as, you know, being an entrepreneur sometimes is a solitary practice, but you're going to need support and people to talk to, to run things by. So I have this little group um, of artists that I connect with. We have a little Facebook group. And if I have a question on something that I just don't know anything about, I will drop a note in the group and say, Hey, can you help me with this? And then I have, of course, artists that I talk to offline who can just help me think through certain things. So those are the three things you want to have a clear plan, you know, a vision for your success. You want to have a really good online setup that you that you're proud of and you can manage and that fully demonstrates the breadth and depth of your work and then you want to get into community um, quickly so that you can feel supported and um, sustained especially if you're self-taught and you haven't had the benefit of being in a MFA or BFA type school community where there's like you know just a network of people who know your work who can give you critique etc so those are my three tips for artists Love it. And my final question is about reading. I know you're a reader. So what are you currently reading or what have you read recently that has blown your mind? Oh, okay. Thank you. Yes, I'm a reader. Um, So the book that I think everybody, and I I just finished it and I'm going back through it and sort of implementing some of the steps. The book that I think everybody should read is Deep Work by Cal Newport. And his premise is very simple. You can't be really good at anything unless you give. um, You can't really contribute in a profound way to whatever field you're in unless you're doing this type of deep work and really producing high quality work. So deep work is one. Um, I what else have I read recently? Oh, I recently I read this novel. Actually, it was a couple months ago now, so it's pretty old. Homegoing by Yagayasi. I thought that was a really good book. And what am I reading now? I'm reading a book of poetry, actually. It's not even a book of poetry. It's a book about writing poetry. I don't have the title in front of me. But I think Deep Work is the one that I'm kind of like doing this very deep dive into and like implementing what I'm learning um, about how to set up my schedule and just how to prioritize and how to make sure that I am giving the best parts of me to the work that's most important to me. Uh, what else am I reading? Oh, I'm reading. <laughs> I don't have the title of this. I can look it up. That that money book about you're a badass with oh, money. You are a badass at making money. Yes. So I'm reading that now. And so far, so good. Um, so that's a good one to pick up. And of course, another book that I think people should read is Essentialism. That was the book I read right when I quit my job. That's when I knew it was like, you need to really prioritize what is important in your life and like get on with that. Even if you stay at your day job, there there are ways to keep that in perspective so that it does not take away from the 
other things that may be important in your life. And I'm talking to all my workaholics with that, because if you're like a person working 10, 12 hour plus days and that's your every day, that's something that that's a book that I think you should definitely read just to kind of get clear on do what's important. You only have one life. It is going to end (laughs) in this form. And you want to make sure that you haven't you don't have any regrets and that you've prioritized all the things that are important. Well, you guys, uh, Krista has said a word or two (laughs) during our conversation. And so if people want to get in contact with you, where can they find you online? Okay. So you can find me online at my online space, KristaDavid.com. And then if you really want to like, you know, travel with me throughout the day and just experience my wonderful personality, you want to come over to Instagram. I'm KristaDavid.art on Instagram. And I live in Insta stories. Okay. Seriously. She's not lying. She does. She does it every day. She starts with her morning coffee. <laughs> yeah, show up and we have coffee talks. So come on over. All right. Well, this was great. I, I'm so glad that you shared that you were so open and so honest. And I hope some people uh, really feel inspired by your story and what you're doing. So thank you again for coming on and, and sharing with us. Thank you. And like I'm available if people have comments, questions, hit me up. I love sharing. So don't feel shy to ask questions of people online um, like myself or Mo. But thank you for having me. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Learn more about this show and get access to show notes by visiting keepchasingthestars.com. While you're there, make sure you subscribe for updates. I'll be back next week. And in the meantime, go out there and pimp your brilliance.